Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Weekly Nightly Podcast as part of the Hockey Podcast Network, Season 3, Episode 8. I am AJ. Hey, guys. This is Eric. And this is Dave. So Carlo's out today. He's uh, traveling and stuff. Um, we're going to have a special guest on in a little bit, uh, Brittany from, from Twitter. So if you know Britt, you'll definitely... From, from Twitter? That's the only thing that, yep. that she would be known as. She, just, yep. she, she, she is Twitter. Twitter. So yep. it's like Jack from Twitter. That's pretty impressive. We're going to have yeah, a big yeah. guest, guys. She created Twitter. She's a celeb. Big celeb. So we got big celeb coming on, you know, co-founder of Twitter. I feel like you're, uh, I feel like you're selling uh, Carlo short on why he's traveling. He's traveling to New York to spend some of the holidays in New York city, which I've never been there during the holidays. So everybody says it's one of the coolest cities to be in during the holidays. And he's going to see the uh, three Vegas golden Knights games uh, when they go out on the road trip, he's seen Jersey Rangers and uh, Islanders. And I want to give a shout out to Andy at at Coded and United for uh, his work on my jersey, switching it up from a glass to a co- or Eichel. So you got a new jersey while Carlo goes and watches New Jersey. Yep. And I got to keep the nameplate too, you know, and so I figured I might pull a new jersey and put it in the window. Also, uh, you know, just since we're housekeeping, big shout out to uh, Eric because, you know, he made a daddy joke in our group text and I think uh, Carlo was very proud. Everybody missed it. Everybody missed the old, the dawn off. So let's, <laughs> uh, let's get into the old, what, the week that, when's the last time we recorded? I feel like uh, before Thanksgiving. So the la- last game we talked about, I think, was the week of the Red Wings game and the Hurricanes and all those. Um, so last one we covered was the Blue Jackets. Um then we went into the whole week with St. Louis, Nashville, Edmonton. We haven't talked about those yet. So they didn't do terrible, I guess. <laughs> they're, the they're, stay, they're staying afloat, which is really all that matters right now. I mean, I but they guess have all, everybody back except they Martinez. Don't. Like, I know, but I, I think people really look Vegas went out and extended him probably by a lot of estimations paid a little too much. He could have got more on the open market paid more than what, the writers around Vegas or the people around Vegas thought they would pay. But when he's been out, you realize how much value he provides to both facets of special teams, right? He's not a huge power play player, but that one timer that he has from the, from the circle actually gets through quite a bit. So he provides that second power play unit, a little bit of, little bit of range right there. And then his PKing is obviously second to none because of, his ability to always put himself in front of the shot, right? He closes down the lanes. So when you say, yeah, you're only missing two, sure, you're only missing two, but Eichel's obviously going to be probably our best or second best um, forward. And then you're missing one of your better uh, defensemen in Martinez, especially with what he does for everything. So, Well, don't forget about uh, Patrick there too, so technically three. (laughs) I have no idea what to make of that poor kid. I mean, he just, he came out, he didn't have a great preseason, and you just kind of wanted him to be really, really good. And I think we all just have high hopes just because he's young, right? Like same thing with Glass. Everybody wanted Glass to be something more than he was. Everything, everybody wanted to be Krebs more than he was. Right now, we just don't – Vegas doesn't do well with prospects. I don't know how else to say it. Like, at least Vegas can go out and trade their prospects for elite established players, and at some point, maybe that's just going to be Vegas's M.O. moving forward. Well, at so least just, you got Nick Hag on the deal, though. True. Hag yeah. is very good. So just real quick, uh, want to intro uh, – I just saw Britt 
hopped on the line. So uh, hi, Britt, if you're uh, if you're there, say hi. Hello. So, hey, Brittany. Th thanks for hopping on. I guess uh, first. Oh, oh, is that is that a Rangers plush? Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, stocking. Oh, awesome. Um, so I guess question for you, Britt, do you think that even though everybody's back except for Martinez, that they haven't had enough time together this season and that's why they kind of have not looked great? Yeah, I'd say so. I think the mixture of some lines too, it just obviously doesn't mesh. I mean, Keegan Colasar on the first line the other day, um, it was quite an experiment and I get it Chandler Stevenson was out, but that would not be the way to go for me at least. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think yeah. we're all a little surprised, right? That was a joke, in my opinion. I, I think it stems back to, if you remember when um, Patches was out and Carlson was out, at, Pete DeBoer said he went to his team and asked, hey, who do you guys want to play with? And he was surprised. He even said, he's like, I was surprised by some of the players that they had mentioned that they thought could play up in the lineup. Clearly, Colesar is one of those players. Stone clearly values what Colesar provides in some way. Now, obviously, for almost two full periods, that line didn't do anything. You put Wah up on that line, and that line immediately scores a goal, and then the whole third period, they play much better. So it didn't work properly. But to say I'm surprised, like I, I guess I'm not, just because I think Pete DeBoer went and asked the players who they wanted to play with, and they liked Colesar's straight-line speed and what he could go do. It didn't work, obviously, but... I, I think today, tonight's game, what it's going here in five hours or so, I think you'll see Wah up there if Stevenson is not back. Stevenson's supposed to be back from what I heard. Like once Carlson came back, I can't just the misfit line just looks so great. I, I have always loved it. I was I'm I'm a proponent of breaking them up, especially in the playoffs when they can't seem to buy themselves a goal. Um, but yeah, during the regular season, I feel like there's Carlson's speed and everything. It's, it's great on the ice. And they just have great chemistry together. Yeah. I just missed, you know, when Carlson was scoring ridiculous goals. <laughs> we'll never see that again in his career. <laughs> no. Yeah, you're not seeing 43 from Carlson. Mm -hmm. not I'd be happy with count, 20. Not even if you count the playoffs, yeah. I mean, shot like 23, 24% that year, too. That was, that's insane. Yeah. Yeah, and, and Marty was much less of the finisher that season and much more of a passer because his I think he had the most assists that year out of any year. Yeah, Carlson's next best year was 24, and that was the 18-19 season when he played 82 full games. And since then, you've gone 15-14 in 63 and 56 games, and then this year, obviously, he's only got a couple. Yeah. But Patches, like Patches, is on an absolute heater since he's been back from injury. He's gotten like, what is it, over one goal per, per game right now, or at least a goal a game? He's got nine goals. Yeah, yep. nine goals, nine games, and fourteen points or something ridiculous, or thirteen or fourteen points. Like, yeah, fourteen points, five assists, not nine goals, five assists in nine games played. So yes, he is. Uh, and that's the other thing. I mean, we talked about we kind of opened a little bit about how much uh, you're missing Martinez on the special teams. If the Golden Knights can keep it at five on five, they're, they're winning all these games. Like they are absolutely dominant at five on five right now. It's just when they get a power play, it actually takes away from what they're able to do at five on five. I mean, it, it talks, I mean, I think DeBoer a couple of games ago said 
you got to be able to get a little bit of momentum from your penalty kill or not have a power play drain momentum. The power play is currently draining momentum from them. Uh, And then PK just can't stop anything right now. Like the, the goals, it's really weird. Leonard had a bad game. uh, What two games ago when he got pulled and they still won that game. Uh, They were all tipped. They were all kind of goofy goals. Like, are they on him? Who knows? But he probably should have stopped at least one of the three. But I think most of the goals that Brassois let in last game, Leonard would have stopped. So it's kind of that weird, like, they were yeah. just – the Brassois goals were straight at him goals where those are the ones that Leonard stops. Leonard's not very good with when it gets tipped or when he, they don't control the rebound or clear the front. That's where all those other goals have come from. Yeah, Leonard's well, – And obviously being at the game, though, what was up with his skate? What they say on the broadcast? They didn't say anything on the broadcast. They just, like, kept talking about – other topics while they the camera was on him in his skate. I I have I don't have any idea why what happened there. Because the power play goal that where so they were fixing whether it be the skate or the where the pad connects to the skate mm-hmm. right before the power play as they were coming out of TV break. And then as soon as the goal happened they did it again. It's like okay if he's <laughs> not good let's go ahead and get some let's fi- figure this out. But it was that was a tough game. I mean they sh- gave Philly life, which they never should have, right? They never <laughs> never were even close in that game, unfortunately. They, they had it tied a couple times, but it never felt like Vegas was going to go and take it over. Can we – No, the energy that game was just – it just didn't ever feel any energy in that game. Yeah. But Carter Hart, like yeah. – I think we lost your uh, audio there, Britt. <laughs> yeah, we lost you for there for a second. Yeah, it's still broken. We heard Carter Hart. That's that's about it. That was was about it. Yeah. Signals getting crossed, buffering. And poor guy, uh, poor guy Carter Hart still left four in, but they win. Or did he let three? No, he only let three in. He let us, yeah, four three. Yeah, four three. So lost in regulation. You got you got tonight, you got uh um we're playing Minnesota. So should yeah. be a should be a good game. Uh, Minnesota has they're leading the uh, what Western Conference with thirty nine points. That's what's crazy is Vegas isn't that far out from anything. Yeah, no, and still lots of games we played yet too. So, oh, it looks like we have uh, we have Brian on camera now too. So uh, everybody say hi to Brian on our podcast. Go go tag him on Twitter and harass him now. <laughs> Got to watch his so there we go we can hear you now (laughs) that that was the best too is you just see the the door open and brian creep in and just start waving (laughs) give me a sip of his beer i'm like no i don't need that it's fine (laughs) we've had enough today already um but but yeah going back to the the carter hart thing i i made a joke on twitter because i'm like has carter hart been been going to college with Tuck and is from San Diego or whatever because you just they couldn't get anything by him. It was ridiculous. Well, he's had a halfway decent year compared compared to last year, but it's just the rest of the team around him just they can't play defense and they don't really have any offensive philosophy. They got four against us, but you know, Vegas is looking like shit right now. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where uh, Claude Giroux goes if he goes anywhere. I know senators really want him home. He's from Ottawa, so. Yeah, they've been hearing rumors about that as well, too. I just 
who knows I, where I, he ends up and sorry sorry brian i know you're you can hear right now but i don't think the senators are going to be in um, a buyer's market like in a buyer's mode in the next couple of years i mean this was supposed to be their year to come out and challenge for for a playoff spot and they are the second worst team in the league thank god for arizona otherwise we'd be laughing at ottawa again so i don't think at the deadline senators are going to be buying what claude Giroux has for services the signers a free agent at the end of the year I'll bet they don't. I bet they don't either. <laughs> <laughs> um, so looking at some of the games that are coming up, so we have Boston after this Minnesota game. So Boston's on Tuesday. We have then back-to-back with New Jersey Devils and New York Rangers. So I that Rangers is going to be a revenge game. It's going to be scary. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to it. <laughs> I mean, either way, one of your teams wins. So w- which one do you think it's going to be? <laughs> The way that the Rangers are playing right now, and if Shesterkin's healthy enough, I, I'd say the Rangers. Um, What's the bet Revo scores a goal? <laughs> he actually looked pretty freaking decent this year. Um, hasn't done anything stupid on the ice, which that's like what you want from him. As long as he's not taking anything away from the play, he's he's golden. It's fine. Um, Chris Kreider's been on a team. So, like, that's very cool for me. I mean, he's never reached 30 goals in his in his career, and I, I say he does it this year. And Adam Fox is a rider. Yeah. Yeah. Adam Fox is looking insane. Always, yeah. <laughs> Another Norris caliber season, maybe? I don't know. Yeah, and obviously Turk is having a field day over there doing Turk stuff. So, uh, apparently it's working. No, it is. It is. Uh, he doesn't... Like Reeves is really meshing well with Barkley Goudreau. <laughs> I thought that I would see them play together. <laughs> um, Ryan Strom is back, and that elevates Panarin's game somehow to another level. Uh, he's now, becoming a better player in his own right, too. So. Now, I know at the beginning of the year, Lafreniere wasn't looking too good, but how's he looking now? Um, I'm sorry, who? Lafreniere. Oh, he's... He's coming into his own. I mean, he's not playing with very dynamic players. Um, you'll see really great flashes. He tries to do too much. He tries to be too fancy with a puck, and he, he doesn't have the finishing ability to actually pull it off yet. Uh, but he's coming into his own. He's, he's working harder. You don't see him making stupid mistakes, so that's what I want to see from him. But he's not doing the uh, Trevor Zegras move either. No. <laughs> <laughs> That, that was insane. That was like the craziest thing I've seen so far this season. <laughs> now, what was it that Tortorella said about it? So I saw you post something about it, Brittany, about Tortorella ripping on Zegers. I didn't even bother watching it because I was like, okay, he's pathetic. But Yeah, so he's a, he's a hockey man, right? So he doesn't want that flashiness in the game. He wants people to be more physical, um, saying that the old school hockey, you shouldn't be able to do that in the game because someone should just be able to hit him. And like, he should never be able to have that much time and space to pull off that goal. Uh, I yeah. kind of get, he's, he wasn't really bashing the goal itself. He was bashing the fact that hockey is kind of changing from a more, just a speedier game to more, to a less physical game. Um, so going back to the, the 1980s, when like Gretzky would get 200 points a year and is wide open, you had games that are like eight to seven. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, wow. no, he, he, he forgets about those times. Um, what was really unfortunate about the whole thing, Tortorella, is he basically came out and said, if he was on my team, I would have talked to them after the fact. Like, it's like basically told them that he would not have liked that goal. It's the silliest thing in the world because that goal was probably the best goal of the year so far. Like, I, maybe, I mean, Connor McDavid's individual skill is probably yeah. a little little higher on, on either one of his goals that he's – his crazy goals that he's had this year. But – the fact that Zegris and Milano were even able to pull that off is absolutely amazing. So if, and if anybody is listening, hasn't seen the highlight of that goal, I, I want to say it was within the last week. Um, it was Anaheim. Who were they playing? Was it? I forgot who they were playing, but anyway, it's a Michigan style goal that it was absolutely fantastic. How he, how he pitched it and then it, batted it in without it being above the crossbar. So very, very, well, Zegers' face, like after yes. it happened, like he had his hands on his head, like holy shit, I can't. Yeah, it was that it way. was that emoji. It was the exploding head emoji in real life, <laughs> is what it was. And Tortorella too, he just doesn't. He's a, he's a coach that if you don't, you could be a star player, but if you don't block the shot, he will bench you. Like yeah. if you don't go, if you don't sacrifice your body for the game, he doesn't care if you have a good shot. He doesn't care if you're fast. He wants you to do literally everything, or else you're benched. When uh, I saw a, a Zegras interview with uh, with Bucci Gross, at, like after he did that whole move, and like Zegras is quite a personality apparently too, because apparently he's like, yeah, <laughs> Bucci, I saw you at Tim Hortons earlier, just scarfing down some donuts or something. He's just completely shit talking him. <laughs> oh man, well, we, I remember listening to during the World Juniors too. He had some quite a few clips out there, so he's gonna be fun to watch. But too bad he's the son, and I'm. Speaking of quips, uh, Patches totally just freaking laid out uh, Bissonette the other day on that interview. Oh, that was hilarious! That was, he didn't even mean to do it, but his face. I, yeah, I, I agree with Brittany. Like, I don't think he was meaning it as a shot. He was more meaning it as like, "Hey, you've been on an NHL." Yeah, yeah. No, before. but once he realized he said it, he yes, just. Yes, <laughs> but I think Bissonette made that even better because yeah. he leaned into it. He's like, "Oh, what are you trying to say that I never got up?" <laughs> so that was that was really funny. But as once again, as much as we dislike Alan Walsh, I agree with what he said, which is we need to get the personalities of these players out and in front. If if the NHL is ever going to move from the fourth most popular North American sport into something else, they have to start getting personalities because there are a lot of hockey players that have personalities. But when it's the – God, what Brittany, what was the game? It was a couple uh, – it was Riley Smith where he just said every single cliche during a – um yeah interview yeah we got to get pucks in deep we got to get people in front we got to get i mean it's just making it hard to play again it's like he said every hockey cliche during an intermission report interview and it's just like all right that's not what we need in this game yeah and the broadcast has been doing really well with that like just bringing uh personalities to light and yeah the whole thing with riley smith like that's what we make fun of that like i know at least in my in my household we'll someone does an intermission interview and they're just say the exact same thing. Like they're reading from a script and we're like, okay, boys, we got to play hard out there. Got to get pucks in deep. Got to get, you know, got to win the battles along the boards. And it's like what they say. Well, it was <laughs> like when Tuck went to Buffalo and actually had a personality in the interview. And every time he interviewed with Vegas, it was always pucks in deep. Like, <laughs> I was like, where was that? <laughs> where was that when he was here? Um, but, it, but it highlights the point that Brittany just made on, TNT to ESPN, right? So we're talking about how great TNT is about getting the personnel. I mean, Bissonette, 
obviously you can say whatever you want, who he's affiliated with in one of his major podcasts, right? Take that out of it. Bissonette is very well liked by the players. He's great on that in this setting. Yes, he's, he's a great interviewer. He gets, he gets people to feel comfortable. So TNT did a fantastic job there. Contrast that with what ESPN did. We just got done shitting on John Tortorella, who was one of ESPN's big hires, right? Like, they, I felt like ESPN has dropped the ball with their coverage so far. It's only been a few months. But the fact that multiple games a week are only on a streaming platform, that's not good for the game. Like, well, no, put, put it on ESPN2, put it on ESPN News, put it on ESPN Ocho. I don't care. Put it somewhere where you can sit down in front of a TV and not have to have a streaming service to watch it. Their announcer duo the other day, too, like, and this is not a dig on women at all, like, whatsoever. Like, don't get me wrong. If this was a guy or girl, it doesn't matter to me. But whoever the two announcers were the other day on ESPN were probably – I would have taken Pierre Maguire back. <laughs> I was like, holy shit, this is bad. It was Ray Ferraro was, uh, was the guy, but he's normally a lot better than this. And I'm just sitting there just like, Ray, are you just like sitting there with a plug up your ass or something? Because he's <laughs> bland today. Because he's normally a lot better. I, you know, I've hey, watched him on CBC or, or TSN. AJ, I got really bad news for you. We can't get Pierre Maguire back because he is the Ottawa Senator's savior. Look at what he has been able to do with that team. He has turned them into the second worst team in the league. Keep throwing more churros. Gotta love Pierre Squared. They're doing great. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, you you love them if you're you like other teams in that division. You mean? Mm. Uh, So back to New York. uh, So Carlo is going to apparently be at a bunch of these games. So that's going to be fun for him. Um, Yeah, I I think out of that whole like series out, out in the Northeast. I'm most scared about the Rangers by far. Um, I think we could probably all agree on that. Boston's not been that great this season. New Jersey's been middling and New York Islanders are, yeah. Well, I don't know what happened there. That's, this is fun for me. I've never, I didn't have anything positive to say about the Rangers the past few seasons. So just to be able to um, have things that are looking up and the Islanders being so bad, it's just, it puts a smile on my face. <laughs> but what happened? Like, they didn't... What happened to them? Like, they shouldn't be this bad, right? Held that team together. I don't know. I, I think oh, it's a... a road trip at the beginning. Yeah, a combination of things. So, obviously, they lost Everly in the expansion draft. Everly's very good. Um, mm-hmm. They had COVID issue. They had... They started with, like, what, 16 straight road games or something like that because they were waiting yeah. for their arena to get built. It's, it's kind of been a lot of bad... Who knows? I mean, they've put themselves way behind the eight ball. But on the flip side, everybody thought that the Rangers, what was it, the bubble year, right? Like the Rangers were the hot pick because of how well they were playing and how well Shesterkin was playing. Obviously, they flamed out. Last year wasn't too much. This year, now they're starting to put it all together. They're one point out of the league lead for points. League leader has 40. They got 39. So it's it's all coming together for the Rangers, which is nice. Um, There's been a lot of just – weird like who's good who's not like boston like are they good are they not like they're middle of the the middle of the pack they got 30 points so yeah i mean i feel that way about vegas right now too i'm like are what are they good like are they just having issues like i don't the roster is really not that different than last season like i think i think the pacific's going to come back to them regardless like i think Look, Calgary's lost four in a row. Edmonton's losing games they shouldn't lose. Like the Pacific that was running away with it is just going to come back to them. Um, 
Anaheim, who knows? I still don't look. I, I get that they have a lot of really good, talented players, but at some point, John Gibson gets broke every year. It, that'll happen, and they have nobody behind him. So it's still there for Vegas. They still play in the weakest division. I don't care what anybody else thinks. Like that's that's a terrible division. So it'll all come back for Vegas to still make the playoffs, especially if the reports of Eichel being ready by the Olympics. If we if they go to the Olympics, I don't think they will. But they it, if he can come back after the Olympic break, right, whatever, the 26th or whatever that is of February, then Vegas, that's when they can kind of put their foot on the gas. Oh, speaking of uh, Olympic break and an all-star game, so all-star games here in Vegas uh, in, in early February, and now the voting's open for uh, the Pacific team captain. So uh, like five or six, I think five Golden Knights are on it. Um, I voted Stone because he's the captain, but. I think I put a vote in for Petrangelo because uh, the, the Pacific captain's going to be Connor McDavid. Move yeah. on with life. I'm sorry. Like, True. He's he's the best player, and like, he's he's not even fair how good he is. Yeah, but it, isn't it vote based? So like, if he'll still win, it's Edmonton, and he gets all of Canada. That's true, and and, and he'll it, get non-Pacific Division fans to vote for him too. Yeah. All of Canada, the entirety of Canada is going to vote for the savior of Canada, hockey in Canada. <laughs> Um, there's rumors that Nordiques are having talks again, or like the future Nordiques. Uh, I don't know. It was a funny. Uh, it was a funny conference with Batman. There was like a any French reporter that was there would just in their French accents would just be like, "So I heard you know you were talking to Quebec City about another team," and um, and Gary Batman was like, "Yeah, you know, we'll see." Like. <laughs> They're like, what about the Coyotes? Like, the Coyotes aren't leaving Arizona. They'll, they are. They'll go somewhere else in Arizona. But no, like, no. we'll see. They're, they're they're gonna, on, they'll end up on the east side of the valley where they should have went in the first place. No, I, I, I 100%, there's no – I don't think they can make Arizona work. I think they're going to Houston. I think it's going to be the, the Houston Coyotes or whatever you want to call them. Houston Arrows. Yeah, whatever. The, the callback to their old AHL team. Houston SpaceX's, whatever you want to call them. They can't be the Astros. They can't be the Rockets. So whatever the Houston NASA's. The franchise <laughs> fucked themselves by putting that by going to the arena in Glendale. Yeah. I mean, that was never going to work. But it, I mean, here's what I don't, and we don't need to go on too much of a tangent about that. But like when Arizona comes out and says human error, you had 14 months of oh, non-payment of taxes. Like it wasn't human error. Like I promise it was purpose, you. purposely human. They should seriously just trade for Kane. Like they all have debt issues, so they might as well just suffer through it together. Jesus. Uh, yeah, I don't know who uh, what happens there, but they're not going to be able to play beyond this year at in that arena. No, and yeah, it's already announced. Yep. And I can't imagine that they're gonna. <laughs> are they gonna go play in a small little like? AHL style arena like in Tucson or something like that? No, they, they still have what was the old America West arena there where the Suns played for a while. They could go in there or share with the Suns what they have now until they can come up with a resolution. Getting them on the east side like in Tempe or Scottsdale like they should have done decades ago. Yeah, I mean for Vegas, it's totally different, right? Like we, we, we get ours right in the center of the city and it's easy to get to for pretty much everybody. Um, not everybody has that luxury. I guess most, most other places don't have that luxury, right? 
No, Vegas is, is as unique of a city as you'll encounter when it comes to how everything is laid out, right? Like even from Summerlin where the team practices, it's 15 minutes down to the strip, right? A lot of fans travel and come and, and enjoy what Vegas can be. And you can stay anywhere on the strip and be to the arena in five minutes, right? That's why it works so well for – that's why you're going to get an MLB team here. I think it's going to be terrible, but you're going to get one, right? You're going to get an MLS team here. Okay, cool. At some point, the NBA is going to go, hey, we're missing out on this. And the summer league's here all the time. Team yeah. USA practices here, right? Like, at some point, Vegas is going to go from zero to 10 years having all four, and it's going to be quite amazing. I'm excited. I'm excited for my house price to, to go up now that I'm going to be a homeowner here again. So hopefully that works out in my favor. <laughs> uh, guys, if you ever want financial advice from anybody, ask AJ what he thinks is going to happen to the market and do the complete opposite. Yeah, do exact opposite. I am horrible. He sold right before COVID. He's like, hey, this market, oh my God, it's going to be so bad. It's going to be 08 bad. <laughs> and then it's like 08 triple. So thanks. Yep. Hopefully nobody listened to him. He just, me. he just screwed himself out of. Yeah, you know, like I told you guys before, I would love to sum up place. I could get more than double what I bought it for. But the problem is getting something new, it's going to be just the same issue. Yeah. Buying something. Buy high, sell high. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So uh, aside from that, um, I, I, I don't know what's going to happen on this road trip with the way that Vegas special teams has been. Like their special teams have been terrible on both sides. Like their power play was sucking and now their penalty kill sucks worse. Like, what the hell? I don't think it's worse than the power play, but it's bad. It's it's just not worse than the power but play. But aren't they like the – we're Look, Vegas was one for six, and one of them didn't count. Like, it was the Pacioretty when you had a six on four. That one doesn't count. Like, you were 0 for five when you needed it. You got two power plays in the third period when you were down at least a goal, and you couldn't even muster – like, offensive zone time. Forget – shots or forget you couldn't even get the fucking puck into the zone and make crisp passes it was as bad as you will see like it was a terrible team one pass turnover one pass like it was impressively fucking horrendous and also not to shit on poor keegan colesar he doesn't need to be on a power play no no a little note on the pk you could basically say it's been five goals in a row they've given up because even though it was two they went two for three for philly um, that one that they didn't get was five seconds because Van Thrym Van, Van Dyke, um tripped yep. tripped five seconds in that penalty. So tripped, basically, tripped, five tripped white card. Yeah, yeah. No, it's 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 been really bad. Um, and so I was talking to a couple of buddies with this when they everybody keeps saying, okay, hey, they're still missing people. They're still missing people. Okay, on your power play, you're missing one person. You are missing Eichel. That's it. Martinez, if if he has to be on your power play, you have a bigger issue. But you're missing one he person. He was on the power play though last year. He, he yeah, he was and he was okay, on. but he's not he, he's not going to change. He's not that a catalyst. Much. Yes. Yeah. Not a catalyst, but at some point it's coaching. I mean, you get Petrangelo at the point with the puck and nobody does anything. Nobody moves. It's like, okay, cool. What like so all all the PKers have to do is pressure the person with the puck turn it over and get it out of the zone. Our power play is as stagnant as it's ever been. And I don't know how spot doesn't get any. Well, like the blues won their, their Stanley cup on power plays on special teams. A lot of the time, like they were doing a ton of shit on power plays that playoff run. And who was quarterbacking all those Petrangelo. So, you know, he can do it. Like it's gotta be spot at that point. 
it's like you just can't you can't pass the puck to patch ready all the time you yeah. have to have another tool mm -hmm. in your arsenal like, well, and tell, tell us how a power play should work, Brittany, since the Rangers are currently almost 25% on their power play this season and seventh in the league, but only off by like less than a percent of multiple teams. It's funny because they started the year pretty bad. Um, fans were complaining about it. I'm like, don't tell me about a fucking power play. Let me show you. <laughs> um, it's they just have bodies in front of the net. They just throw it to the net. And the rebounds are really what help them in their power play, whether it's uh, Kreider's big body there, whether it's Panarin, you know, kind of coming back off on the wing and able just to tap it home. Um, Adam Fox moves a little bit, you know, like he, he gets in there and uh, it's just, it's good passing, but it's also shoot the fucking puck. <laughs> and that's what they do. And they, when you get the puck to the net, good things happen most of the time. And it's like uh, Eric said, though, with pressuring the, the puck holder here, when people yell out shoot on the, for, for Vegas to shoot, well, most of the time those shots are going into the defensive players. They're not even getting around them, and then it's going the other way. And another thing I, I noticed, too, is that, you know, sometimes when we do get a shot through, rebounds come off, but nobody's there for a goddamn rebound. Yeah. You know it's what's like, interesting? The Rangers now have decided to, like, the second power play unit, sometimes they put Ryan Reeves up front, and that worked for Vegas a couple times just putting him right in front of the goalie and you're screening the goalie you get more chances maybe you could put home a rebound um so i think yeah vegas isn't necessarily doing that currently <laughs> so i just i went to look at how bad vegas's pk is the avalanche are worse than vegas on their pk worse than the predators and worse than the red wings the only people that the avalanche have a better pk than are the kings coyotes and senators I did not know that, but okay. But go look at their power play. Yeah, their power play. I bet you, like the I bet you it's, it's it's a because because Vegas's PK is bottom third, like they're like twenty third in the league, I think. But their power play is like 29th. so you can't really be bottom third and bottom five. Yeah, to to uh, to to be pretty good, it's okay to like Edmonton. Do you think anybody gives two shits what their PK is? No, because they run at thirty one percent on the on the power play. So, yeah. um, at some point. When do we start worrying about what Theodore has become? Now, okay. I, I didn't. I didn't know if it was like, are, are we too soon? Are we a little ahead of it? Because the the bubble, he was the best player in the bubble. Like legit, he was Vegas's best player. Quite possibly one of the better players in the entire bubble. He was absolutely elite. He carried that team a lot. Last year, it wasn't terrible. I mean, he had 42 points in 53 games, but he wasn't as dynamic. Like everybody said, okay, this guy's going to be a future Norris winner. Now we all joked about how many future Norris winners there are, right? Like it was McCarr, it was Heiskanen, it was the, like they all talked about the same people. Well, they can't all win the Norris. And then here it comes Adam Fox and says, aha, fuck off, I can win. Um, so, but Theodore last year and then carrying into this year, he's not making crisp decisions. He's, it's like he's playing without any confidence. Like he's just, he's turning it over and he's running back and chasing the puck. It's not both on the power play and just in regular. And last game, I don't know if anybody really noticed it too much. He played third line minutes with Ben Hutton. Like he, he got third pair of minutes, which is not ideal. Ever since he fixed his tooth. That's, that was the, that was, there was before his tooth was fixed and afterwards and afterwards has just been crap. BT, I, yeah, he's a 
he, I, he's overthinking out there for sure. He's probably too worried about his tooth getting knocked back out. I mean, his passing is terrible. He can't keep things in the zone. Uh, usually horrible shot selection. He breaks the bones of like half the team, apparently. And, and maybe he's worried about that too. <laughs> I do not want him to be the one back. And that's crazy to me. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, on, the, on the other hand, though, Haig is developing very, very nicely. Like He's had a hell of a year. His skating yep. is like a thousand times better this season. Yeah, almost too nicely because you have zero money next year and you have to re-sign him. So yep. like, yeah. it's, like, it's like, okay, this is cool, but like if Martinez comes back, like do you still keep Haig and Petrangelo and then you put Martinez with Theodore because Martinez and Theodore, that's the best Theodore has looked as mm-hmm. of old night was with him. So you probably try to get him playing better. But then do you does that mean White Cloud is a third pair, which he's not because he's very, very good, but he doesn't get he didn't get any PP time. So I don't know. It's kind of one of those weird, weird things. And then you put Hague and White Cloud as your third pair. Um, or not Hague, not Hague. Um, uh, McNabb. McNabb, yeah. yeah, McNabb and White Cloud. If McNabb stays. No, but I'm saying this year, when, when Martinez comes back, you have to figure that oh, out. Yeah. And Hague has played incredibly well with Petrangelo. And I think I covered it the last time we talked. Gary Lawless, who is connected to the team, right? He's a team employee. So if he says it, it, the team is telling him it's okay to say it. He has said that Petrangelo asked for Haig to be his partner. Not right now, just because he's, but he wants him to be his partner. Therefore, that's probably sticking around because Petrangelo's your third best player on the team, right? Second or third. Like he is. Yep. Petrangelo, by the way, is actually possibly having a career year points wise. Um, he's right, right up at the same basic stat that he had on his career year or whatever his highest points year was. So yeah, his advanced stats look bad, but that's because he's been carrying the team. In my opinion. Exactly. With all the injuries, man, he, he put it on his own back to try to contribute offensively and defensively. It makes me nervous that he's going to break down though, with how much work he's been doing. No chance. He, he plays, there's only been one year that he's played less than 70 games exclude. I'm sorry. In the last like 10 years, he played 47 and 12, 13. Uh, but last year when he got injured in, in the short year, every and other year Carmen. he's played over. Yeah. Every other year he's played over 70. And I think your career year that you were talking about was 54 and 78. Yeah. He was, I did the math the other day. He's on pace for about 56 or he was the other day. I don't know after the Philly game, if he still is. But he had a couple points that game, I'm pretty sure. He's been in on like at least assist a game or so for the last, basically since Stone came back. Probably because he can focus a little bit more on the offense if Stone's going to handle some of the more two-way playing sort of stuff. That Stone and Petrangelo line, whether it be when they had Waugh on it or obviously when Stevenson's there, has been absolutely it's the only dangerous line currently and i know Brittany said she loves the misfit line i am a million percent in the in the group of break it up just figure figure something out because it's not doing as well as you thought it would do um you got to get something further down all the wa um yanmark and dodonov have actually been really good uh it's just that first line has been the one that's carrying this team at five on five play for sure and it's stevenson I don't see how you, where you put um, 
Eichel when he comes back because I don't know how you take Stevenson away from Stone and Petrangelo because they're so dangerous together. Somebody's got to be moved down to the third line out of that top six and depending on what they do to fit them in. Yeah, I think it's Carlson. Well, yeah, once again, yeah, it's it's all, hey, do, are we can, – can you make the money work and keep everybody? Probably not. So it's – What if it's Carlson that ends up getting traded? They won't trade him. No. I don't think so. He, as much as he brings the team defensively on the PK, even though yeah, the PK true. sucks right now. But he's only played, what, two games? Is it two or three since he's been back? I think three. But, yeah, he, I don't think they trade him. Um, I think it's – Look, there's the two obvious ones, or three, two of the three obvious ones, right? McNabb, because you kind of have, once you get Martinez back, you can, Hutton showed to be okay, and Coughlin has played pretty well. Um, and then you got Dodonov or Smith. Smith is on an expiring deal. Smith goes to uh, the Rangers because Turk loves him, and we get the Russian kid back because he can't, he won't be on our uh, money until the playoffs. It works out for everybody. Don't put him in the AHL and you're good to go, crossed off. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, what, uh, what do you think the chances are that that's the way that it happens? What are the chances that Vegas goes out and gets, um, during their second year, one of the better wingers in, in the world? And Max Pacioretty, probably not very good, but it happened. What are the chances that they're able to trade a bag of pucks and a not a very good player to Ottawa? Thanks, Brian, for one of the best <laughs> best wingers in the world and name him your future captain. Probably not very good. It happens, right? True. What are the chances that they can clear space with Paul Stastny, Nate Schmidt, ship out one of the original misfits that everybody loves, and, hey, we signed him to a deal even after he got tested <laughs> positive for PEDs and we stood behind him. What are the chances we trade him so we can sign Petrangelo? Probably not very good, but it happened, right? What are the chances that they go and trade Alex Tuck, who's broken every single year, <laughs> a prospect who hasn't shown very much in the NHL for one of the best five centers in the league when he's healthy? Probably not very good, but it happened. So – what are the chances that something else happens? I don't know. Probably pretty fucking good. So, so William Carlson is going out, but that means Tomas Hurdle is coming in. There you go. Whoever you want to make go. it. Perfect. Whatever right. you want to do. All right. Oh, we're done. There's the big old zero days. <laughs> However you want to make it work. But when you really think about it, I mean, what are the chances that Vegas comes out on the better side of, of making a move? Probably pretty good because they haven't, other than Tatar, somebody hit me with the Tomas Tatar thing. Um, other than that, every single trade they've made, Vegas has come out stepping in a pile of shit, having to move players, coming out smelling like roses, right? Nate, Nate Schmidt is not very good anymore, and they got an actual pick for him. Um, they were able to trade Stasny for an actual pick, and Stasny has not been very good anymore. They both went to Winnipeg. They got, they got a better pick for Ryan Reeves than they did for Nate Schmidt, though. <laughs> they got an actual valuable pick for Ryan Reeves, which is pretty impressive. A better one than they got for Nate Schmidt. <laughs> that money. The money. That's, that's yeah. the one thing. I'm on team Riley Smith to the Rangers all day, so I don't have to say goodbye to him. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't his brother on that team before? Yes, Brendan the defenseman but we would often play him as a fourth liner yeah um, that's what i think so they should do something like that with theodore if he's still shitting on the defense side is just move him to be a forward then like he's got the hands he's got the speed like the, the, rever the reverse brent burns yeah yep why not though like i he would be he is a finisher too we've seen him finish so like he's got the hands 
he can get in between defensemen. He's literally the reverse Brent Burns. I think if anything, and Vegas has a system that is pretty pretty similar to this, right? Like when you watch a Vegas game, Theodore, Haig, Petrangelo, White Cloud, they're all down below the, the hash marks quite often. So it's pretty close to as positionless as you can be with the, some of the defensemen that we have. So to play him there, I don't think. So he's not going to take face-offs, right? Or is he is he the one that's 1,000% in his career for face-offs because he – Got credited with one that he. Yeah, it was him. He 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 won the only faceoff he ever had. (laughs) So so maybe maybe we should, but um, I don't know. I mean, at the end of the day, Smith is the one that makes sense to move out. I don't think they will. I just don't think they will. He he. Speaking of what Carlson provides, Smith provides that and more. Yeah, because and he provides shorthanded scoring like every single PK. I I, I think Smith is your as steady of a player as this team has ever had. Carlson has been. I think Smith is just as steady as the team's ever had, right? Like Smith is vanilla ice cream. Like he's people like you know what you're gonna get every time. You know what you're gonna get. Yeah, you know you're gonna get like it's pretty plain, but like you're guaranteed that you're not gonna hate it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, Smith is just vanilla ice cream. He's very vanilla dude in interviews, obviously, too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, his first five years with this team, or first four years, right, 60 points, 53 points, 54 points. Last year, obviously, was was an off year. He had 25, but only 53 games. And this year, he's already got 20 and 26 games. He is going to be another 50-point year as long as they're not moving him. I, I just don't see how you move him because he does everything. PKs, he's good on the PP. He's he can play up and down your lineup. He's defensively responsible. And you got to think he wants to resign here because he wants to stay with that and his his friends. Um, yeah. He's only thirty. I mean, I, I, he's not. It's not like he's 35, 36. You're not trying to, to figure him out. You can probably still sign him to a three to five year deal and be happy with what he's going to provide that whole de- that whole deal. And if you did that much term, you could probably get him at maybe even about what he's making, or maybe even a million dollars less. I, I think that the, they would put something in front of him that, that is less than what he's making, which is five million a year right now. If he would, if he would sign three point five by five, they would. I bet they'd do it and trade Dodonov. The Dodonov thing's gonna hurt because well, he, yeah, he's he's good. <laughs> you're gonna have to you, that. That would be one of the ones where Vegas actually comes out on the worst end because you're gonna have to. That trade did not make any sense. I yeah, I mean he's. That. If it if he was two and a half, it would have made sense. But at five for another year after this, fuck. <laughs> well, Ottawa signed him to that stupid deal, which made sense at the time because he was really good in Florida, but it did not work out for Ottawa. So now it's not gonna work out for us. <laughs> yeah. Another person that could be shipped out too is Yanmark. I mean, you know, it's not he doesn't have much salary, but I don't ask sure who would take him. Two million. I mean, he he is I think you keep him because of he does a lot of the things to a lesser extent than Riley Smith, right? He can play on a power play. He's not great on it. He can PK. He's actually pretty good at it. He scored one of the only hat tricks in Vegas Golden Knights playoff history and the only one in a game seven clinching game. So he's worth $2 million just for that. Yeah, I mean, he, he, he won that series for us, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> and hasn't done much since. And, of course, he did have COVID and – but if he does come back this next playoffs and wins a series like that again, then it yeah. was worth the two oh, million for sure. Yeah. They came, they came out and said that he had a really bad case of COVID. Yes. So he's just, yes. and he has been a lot better the last five games than he was before. So he was probably coming back a little early because when he came back, they were still rolling out a bunch of people, like a bunch of AHL players. Ron mm-hmm. Beer was still in the lineup. The Stitcher was still in the lineup. Also, 
what's why why did they play Brooks? Like why they why they claim him? I mean, I know they're probably just gonna put him back on the waiver, so it won't matter. But it just that claim doesn't make any sense. Amadio's actually been pretty good. Brooks doesn't make any sense. I, I think they just panic bought. Like they're like panic buy, panic buy. We need more players. <laughs> Possibly. Um, What'd you say there about bottom Brett? Didn't hear you. Oh, um, I said that I forgot that Brooks was even claimed. <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't know who he is. <laughs> and I, I just refuse to ever call the other dude anything but Armadillo. Well, it's kind of funny. Amadio, I was pointing out to Brian, and Brian's like, who is that? And I'm like, he played on Ottawa. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. That's my favorite is like when they cycle the whole league so often that you don't know they even played on your team at one point. AJ, you say Armadillo, a uh, person who I set with at the games calls him uh, Amadeus. <laughs> so, so we'll just start calling him Wolfgang instead. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, he's, he's had a couple really timely goals that, that, uh, saved a couple of ga- games, you know, not the game winner, but something that got us there. So like Dallas, that moment, him, like, I'm, I'm okay with that. Like, I can't complain a guy that we picked up for free. Like, that's fine. Um, he's got a pretty heavy shot. Brisson, by the way, like, his other line mate. So yeah. And have, have we all been following Brisson? Like what he's been doing on Michigan? Like, Oh, so insane. He, so what's what's the chances? I think Eric, you mentioned you thought this would happen where they'll they'll sign him and bring him in the playoffs. I don't know that he'll play games, but he'll for sure get signed. He he's on a team that is stacked with NHL players, right? Yeah. They have probably in their top six, I think all six of them are NHL like high first round draft pick players. He's probably the best player this year for him, which is saying something, right? Like he's he's not a center, so he's not going to drive anything, but he is lethal on the power play. I don't see how he goes back another year because that this year I think all those kids got together and said, hey, okay, let's go make a run, right? Power went back, Beniers went back, right? Like yeah. I just think that this is that, that final kind of get-together for him. So I think he signs anyway. And he can sign and burn one year of his entry-level deal to come into Vegas if he can get yeah. into the playoff game. Kind of like that whole Kale McCarthy yeah. thing, how yeah. that works. So I think that happens for sure. Whether he actually plays a game, I don't necessarily think so. He, so to me, he looks like a absolute NHL-guaranteed level version of the kind of style that Jack Dugan would play. Like – it's always like this like crazy cross net sort of stuff or across the front of the net, like real close in sort of things, but like with 10 times the skill of Jack Dugan. <laughs> like, I don't know. He's just, he's impressive to watch. Uh, and I, I hope that translates because that will be so fun to watch. You're going to have two players most likely signing in April for Vegas. You're going to have him and Morozov. Morozov is is mm-hmm. going to come over. There's no he. He's already turned down the SKA money yep. over there. That's why he got traded and kind of fucked over for the most part. Yeah. So those two players, I think, are both going to be signing their entry level deals and calming and and being. I don't think they'll either of them will make once again playoff contributions this year to this team, unless the trade happens that you don't want to happen, obviously. Um, but we'll see next year, right? They're going to need cheap players next year. At some point, yeah. they have to start getting younger. At some point, they have to develop yep. other than Haig. And Dave, I did forget that Haig was a draft pick by him, and he has developed. Other than him, 
we haven't developed a draft pick at all. Well, well and let's let's be honest. The Brisson was developed by a bunch of professional NHLers. <laughs> like, yeah, but I mean, it, once again, look, you you could be you could have the best pedigree, you could have all whatever you want, right? Like Gretzky's mm-hmm. brother fucking sucked, right? Like, yeah. guess what? He was Gretzky's brother. So it it's not it's just what translates to the NHL, right? So. Yeah, I guess Mark Stone, Michael Stone, uh, one of them. Is yeah. I was just going to say, you know, he, he may not have been that good, but he's still part of the the combination of the top two brothers that are score point. Oh, wait. Sure. Like, the, the like yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's it'll be interesting to see, right, like like how they continue to, to try to develop these players because when we talk about development, like everybody says, everybody points to the Patriotti Suzuki thing. And I still think obviously with how Patriotti's playing right now, you still can't say, okay, Hey, it's because Suzuki has fallen off. He, yeah. He's not as good. That team is, and I'm right. sorry, Brian, Ottawa's the third worst team in the league. Montreal's number two. <laughs> thing. So you guys got somebody. There you go. Um, he's, he's watching football. He doesn't care about it. Good. Team. He's like, la, 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 la. <laughs> um, but I don't think Suzuki develops the same in Vegas because he wouldn't have been given that same opportunity. No. So it's just, it's really interesting. And talking about opportunity, what the hell happened to glass? Like, is he, is he still in the AHL for, he, he just did, he's, yeah. he's scoring like a monster in the AHL apparently, but like that never has translated so far. Just wild. that he's that he's actually having to be in the AHL. Yeah. He's down in the AHL for him. That's yeah, crazy. I don't. I I think with him, it's like a long-lasting confidence issue. He's not scoring crazy. He's 18, 18 points in twenty games, which I mean, okay, it's but that's not a. You yeah. should be dominating the AHL with his talent level, right? That sounds like he's fitting into the AHL as like a top AHL forward. Yep, career-long AHL player. Oof, that that hurts, especially as if a, you're that high of a pick as a six overall. Ooh, Ooh. Mm, not the worst, but. Yeah, not good. Who is the guy that uh, I think he was – was he right before Chris Pronger? He was first overall, and he said, you know, nobody ever remembers second overall, and then nobody remembers this guy's name. I don't think he said it, but people said that about bottom. But I, I, I know who you're talking about. I can't think of his name now. Maybe Petr Stefan. But, yeah, it was, it was a first overall pick that was like, yeah, I didn't, want, I didn't want to be second or whatever, and Chris Pronger was second, and I don't remember. Did you guys know, maybe you guys did, um, that Krebs had zero points in the nine NHL games he played this year? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess I didn't remember him having zero. I thought he did something. No, he had, he had like a point in his first game on a pass to Tuck last season. Okay. Because uh, he's got 11 points in 12 AHL games, so same, same concept. Um, but, yes, but there could be worse, right? You could be Nail Yakupov, who was first overall – and just for Edmonton, and now oh. he's in the KHL. He's he has. I don't think he's playing anymore. Yeah, AJ Alexander Dag. Yes, was that draft pick. Yes. So, but Patrick Stefan was also a number one overall pick, and he also sucked. So, uh, so Nolan Patrick, what what is what is going on? Like, I I don't know. I feel for the kid. Like he he had really bad headache issues in Philly. He wasn't able to overcome them, injuries and everything. And then he comes here and he gets injured. <laughs> uh, I never thought he was like a, I don't, that draft didn't really mean much to me. It wasn't a top heavy draft to begin with. So I didn't think anything special of Nolan Patrick. It wasn't Cal McCarr in that draft. And, and Miro Heskinen. Yeah. 
But like the first two, was that was that the Heesher draft? Yeah, but Heesher's been pretty good. Like better than Patrick. <laughs> well, I, I mean, look, there, there's, but to to Brittany's point, I completely agree that there are some good players in that draft, right? So Heischer's been pretty good. Patrick's been not very good. Heiskanen, great. Kale McCarr, absolutely phenomenal. Pedersen having an off year this year, but he he has been very good. Cody Glass never developed. Leas Anderson, the old Rangers pick who got traded for nothing, hasn't developed. Casey Middlestat has been hurt, hasn't developed. Michael Rasmussen, Dave, has he even played in the league? I don't think so. Oh, Ras- he- wait a minute. Rasmussen? Ras- yeah, he's whatever. been on the team. From Detroit, he's been on the team since last year. Is he any good? He's not as good as the number one or six pick. No, nine, yeah, nine he's, pick, he's, yeah. he's been like a, a third line center. It's probably the best that he could probably be. Owen Tippett, kind of good. Gabriel Velarde, okay, right. Mark Nikas for Carolina has been very good. Suzuki, obviously, we know what he turned into. Brandstrom, nothing. Calfoot, nothing, right? Like Lilligren, nothing. There's a lot of players in that. Meanwhile, Nick Hay, permanent NHLer now. Robert Thomas, who was drafted 20th, is very good. Josh Norris, who was drafted 19th, has been pretty good for Ottawa. Um, Philip Chittle, he's been okay. He's been okay. He's, he's had some injury issues, um, but he's been an okay third liner. But for the most part, other than that, the rest of that draft, has just kind of fallen off other than like you said, when you get to, to Nick Hague has been pretty good. And there's a couple players down in the draft that have turned out to be very good. Jason Robertson was, was uh, early yeah. second round. He's been very good. Right. So it's just, it's one of those goofy drafts, but to Brittany's point, the top of that draft, there's no real, even as good as Nico, he sure is. He's not a franchise changing centerman, right? He's good, but he's not Matthews, Eichel, McDavid. He would need guys around him. Yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't be a first overall pick in really any other year. The way yeah, like Rasmus, he has gotten second line minutes, but that was only because of injuries early in the year. By the time uh, Corona comes back, he's down to third line permanently. Gotcha. Yeah, so Vegas is going to have, I guess, a fun time playing New York. Um, hopefully they go three and one on that road trip. I I don't. They never play Boston well, so I don't have a lot of confidence in this road trip for them. I just hope they go three and one on this homestand here after today. Yeah, well, same for sure. Same. And Minnesota is always scary, right? So it's Minnesota scary. They never. They don't do well against Boston, New Jersey's whatever. But they've also lost to New Jersey before pretty badly. Um, I got good news. I got good time. news for you. They've lost to everybody in the league. Yes. Yeah, true. Fair. Okay. So just kind uh, of. But. But yeah, they've especially lost a lot to Minnesota and Boston. So yeah, they don't play Minnesota that well. Although they beat them earlier this year, um, Boston. I don't know that they've. they've, they've really I don't think they've ever beat well. Them. I don't think they've ever played them well. Um, but we'll see. I mean, Boston's not having the year that they thought they would have, and their goalie is not not yeah. as good as what you as they've had in the past. So what do they have Vladar is their like starter right now, or something? Uh, no, they got the other kid. Wayman. Yeah. Oh. Swayman. Because Tuka Rask is still conditioning to come back, I think. Yeah, uh, they are one and four against Boston, one four and one. So, um, but yeah, I mean, Rangers are the toughest game coming up, right? Like, there's out of the, I don't know, Minnesota probably if you if you're counting today, Minnesota and the Rangers, you should probably be able to beat. You should probably be able to go three and two in those next five. I think three and two is a probably success. Four and one's fantastic. Obviously, five and all would be even greater. I don't know that either of those things happen. 
Um, it all comes down to if can you keep the game at five on five? Yeah, or start figuring out special teams. I don't think they're going to figure that out as long as Steve Spot is still a coach. Yep. Well, it, on on Friday, Brittany at least you know gets joy out of one of her teams winning. So. And then I can't wait for Tatar to score against Vegas when they're in Jersey. Um, that's <laughs> going to happen. Oh boy. And, yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Um, by the way, uh, other news around the NHL real quick here. Um, ben Bishop done. I, I saw. So that sucks for him. Some kind of permanent knee injury or whatever. Yeah. I remember I hated playing against him when the Rangers played against him. He's so big, just covers the entire net when he was with a uh, Tampa Bay who's dominant and it's really sad to see him fall off the way that he has. Yeah, definitely sucks. Um, but it it does happen. Um, and Fleury got 500 wins, so congrats to Fleury. In Montreal, he got a standing ovation in Montreal for that too. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't think anybody like, especially in in Quebec, hates uh, hates Fleury, right? Yeah, they were standing ovation, and they were chanting his name. I thought that was pretty cool. Meanwhile, they'll still like light their own players' jerseys on fire if they get traded to somebody else, you know, like so. You know, against with their own team, Montreal kind of is a testy fan base that doesn't have much patience with their players or their management. So anything. Yeah. Yeah. And meanwhile, uh, I guess the other thing we didn't cover is that <laughs> Vancouver finally cleaned house. Like after what, two or three years after they probably should have? Yeah, I was just gonna say, how many years ago should they done this? How do you let Jim Benning trade for Oliver Ekman Larson, who has like five years left on just an albatross of a deal when you were one year removed from getting away from all the terrible deals you signed? So you traded like three bad deals to him for one really terrible deal, and then now he's gonna be on like that just made no sense to me. That uh they had zero zero actual focus on hey, here's here's what we should do. Zero plan. It was, it's bad. Yeah. And in your, you are enjoying every moment of it. God, I don't know why I find so like <laughs> that is the thing. Like San Jose being bad. I don't know. I get that everybody hates them. I would rather them be good because then those games mean more. I find so much joy of Vancouver being fucking terrible. Like, I think <laughs> it's because they're probably the second, like, bitchiest fan base in the league, like, behind Montreal, right? Like, you say, okay, the Oh, you Leafs, forgot the Leafs. You forgot the Leafs. I don't know. The Leafs are – the Leafs are just fun when they're – when they because they're an elite team. Like, I have no issue with the Leafs winning. If the Leafs win, it will be fun. It'll be good for hockey because it'll get more eyes on the – like, I'm True. fine with the Leafs True. winning. And they play a good brand of hockey. I have no issue with somebody going trying to win six to four every game. No problem. They have elite skill. They're fun. Vancouver like lucks into a, a game here or there and they think that they're the greatest team in the world. Like all of a sudden now they're three and oh since Bruce Boudreau and all eight guys were making the playoffs. Like, no, no, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. For you. You're going to miss the playoffs again. And I find so much joy in that just because of that fan base, because it's like, there's, there's so a polar much. opposite of Buffalo. Like they, say, half of them are the super optimists and the other half are like just dicks. But like the super optimists are like the most opposite fans of like the buffalo fan base that you can imagine like because buffalo's like we all have pretty much been dead on the inside the entire time this franchise has existed and vancouver's like we technically won a cup 50 years ago even though it wasn't our team we're awesome and i'm like okay 
like keep telling yourself that if that makes you happy, if you think you're going to make the playoffs, go yeah. for it. <laughs> Ryan, I think out of those two fan bases, I think they both came in the same year. It's just, they it's, did. yeah, they both celebrated their 50th last or two years ago. I, I just, I love it so much. I love watching Vancouver, like, especially when there's a live game on and it's, and they're up at the start of the game and then they just blow it. Like watching Vancouver Twitter is probably the most amusing thing I've ever seen. Cause like they'll, they'll literally, I've never seen such a roller coaster of emotion where somebody will like see them score one single goal in the first period and be like, we're going to win the Stanley cup. And then by the end it's Vancouver one and whatever team else, like eight. And they're like, fuck what happened? You suck. Although I, I guess Brittany can probably attest that was probably the Rangers fan base like three seasons ago. Oh, for sure. Well, no. Um, even if we scored three goals, we were usually like, well, they're going to blow it. Like, it's three <laughs> nothing. And they have a, there's a period left of play. We're going to lose, probably. <laughs> so, yeah. we're It's like the, the New York Jets fan base, um, where we're just perpetually uh, sad all the time. That's that's the Rangers. <laughs> Is... Zibana Jad is gonna gonna have like a seven goal game one of these days, isn't he? He's due for one. And it happens every season. Like he had a, a six point game last season. It's pretty good. <laughs> he had a five goal um, game one season too. I remember. Yeah, last season. year I believe. Oh, okay, that was yeah, the same one. He's been uh, he's been okay. He's been kind of snake bitten, but he got a goal last game, so hopefully that gets him going a bit. Yeah, when he's on, that guy is crazy. Like, he, he will just, like, be like, I can't stop scoring goals this game. I'm just going to score as many as possible. I remember when we traded uh, or Broussard for Zibanejad, and I was the one kind of sad to lose Derek Broussard <laughs> just because he was uh, uh, just a personality in the locker room that I loved. And But I'm like, Mika Zibanejad's obviously better, so this is going to work out better, but yeah. That, that, that retained salary finally fell off Vegas, didn't it? Like, yes, I think it fell off last season, or was it this this season that it fell off? I think last year, I think, yeah, but I, think I could be wrong. I just remember, like, we always had like a half million dollars of his salary since the start of the team. <laughs> um, cool. So, uh, I think that's all we had for today, other than uh. Yeah, we're we're really excited that Brittany could join us and uh, and appreciate her adding some uh, some color to our New York conversations because I, I I'll be I, I won't lie I've not been paying a ton of attention to the East teams this season much. Um, it, I've been just waiting for Ryan Reeves to just beat the crap out of Tom Wilson, but it hasn't happened yet. Yeah, well I'll be watching both games today. Uh, Rangers play at seven, Golden Knights play at nine, which is very early for me, and I'm very excited. <laughs> Usually we'll have to do this again in a couple of weeks too. You, you and this East Coast yeah. stuff. No, we have no idea what that is. We, we like six o'clock games. Oh yeah, when's the, uh, when's the next January uh, six? Oh, yeah, that's right. So, uh, well, we'll have to uh, find a time and see if you can uh, come back on for the the next Rangers game here. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, that's pretty. All right, cool. Well, thanks, everybody. Uh, we don't have Carlo here to shout some uh, something at the end today, so I guess uh, that's about it. So thanks for listening, and we'll uh, probably be back next week, it looks like. <laughs> See you. Peace out. Bye. Yelling Carlo things. Nerds. <laughs>